Welcome to Bucky's Guided Pagan Journey. Um, this podcast is designed so I can walk with everybody through understanding and figuring out what spiritualism is and how spiritualism affects our lives and how we can figure out our, our own way and our own path. Uh, if you have any questions, please shoot me a message and um, enjoy listening. We're off to the races here on this wonderful second day of May in the year 2020. Um, so this is episode one, season one of this lovely podcast. And I was kind of scratching my head and wondering where I should start this all off on. It's not like I can just pick you up and say, that's it right there. Behold the power of the woo. But it doesn't really work that way. Some people may be in different stages. Some of you may be further down the road than me, and some of you just may have stepped out the door and put on your pack sack. So I think I'm going to start at the very beginning. Now, of course, a lot of people out there will say the very beginning is kind of a contradictory of terms because there's continuous regeneration, which I'm not totally against, and I actually do kind of believe that as well. But when I say the beginning, I mean the beginning of human experience. And that is an individual thing, and that is in the form of revelation and, and enlightenment. And of course, when I say revelation and enlightenment, I'm not talking the Buddhist one where you sit under a tree in the lotus position, and then the uh, proverbial spiritual Isaac Newton apple cracks you on top of the head, and behold, you can transcend. I'm actually talking about when you realize finally that there is something out there aside from yourself, and there's something out there a little bit more profound in a spiritual sense. That generally manifests itself in uh, synchronicities and synchronizations, or what what is called sinks. Um, but before we proceed into the sinks and the actual bread and butter of it, I wanted to discuss um, how enlightenment affects different spiritual um, understanding and pathways. And the first of which I want to talk about is uh, Phil uh, Boards. He's a photojournalist who's traveled around with many non-government organizations as well as other fundraisers um, and taken a crap ton of photos with indigenous people. He has a major interest in shamans. He's actually met the Dalai Lama's personal shaman as well as a number of other um, shamanistic leaders. One thing that he's noticed, which is absolutely quite fascinating, is that a majority of the shamanistic path starts in the same way. The subject who becomes the shaman starts hearing voices in the head or voices at night. Also starts seeing hallucinations and feeling ill and feeling as if they're unhealthy and un unwell. Now, he's noticed these commonalities in Mongolia and the Navajo Aboriginals the, in Eastern Siberia, uh, Rwani, Pakistan, all throughout the world. And it's very interesting because they're all physically and geographically segregated. So it's a commonality and a common, a common thread that we see um, in this shamanistic element. Now, what's really fascinating about this as well is that there is no sociological connection between uh, a nomadic tribe in East Siberia and uh, the historical Navajo people, but there is that giant human link that kind of connects them all. 
Now, fascinatingly enough, what he makes mention of is that the people in these cultures who start experiencing these things always will have a path of development. They'll have a mentor who will come on side and pat them on the shoulder and say, hey, look, we can give you a hand and we can help you through this. In, uh, in Western society, by and large, that goes uh, unrecognized. So sometimes shamans can find themselves feeling depressed or bipolar or even suicidal because they can't figure it out. And they also have that stigmatism of mental health. However, if we take a look at the other side of things, walking away from good old Phil Borgs and walking towards Christianity, we can see a major change in uh, the way that it's handled when we take a look at the Christian experience. Historically speaking, the Christian faith will go into a country and kind of act like a plague. You will obey our beliefs, you will worship our God, and if you don't, we will put you to death. And if you worship a different form of God from the same God that we worship, well, God have mercy on your soul, because we're going to kill you for worshiping our God in a different way, because that's a heathen God. Now, we have to also walk very carefully with uh, our friends in history. I mean... There's some historical significance to the way that uh, Muslims and the way that Hebrews and the way that Romans, pantheists, everybody has reacted in society. It's not just the corner of the market on the Christians for being kind of nasty, but it is very important to outline that they are kind of, um, they do kind of envelop and change everything they're in. And that's very important to note, especially when we come to specific forms of enlightenment. Now, this is uh, very particular to, especially when we get to certain things such as the texts. Now, there's that old saying, um, how do you know uh, that your book, or why should I accept your book? Well, because this book is the infallible word of God. Well, how do you know it's the infallible word of God? Well, it's because it's written in the book. And that's kind of one of the huge you know, oh, oh, look at what I got. I'm an atheist and you're an idiot because you're believing a book so that it's correct. Well, that's actually where revelation comes in regards to the Christian faith. And I think it also applies to a number of other spirituality. Um, it's not that the book is written that makes it infallible. It is the faith that is put behind that. And that's actually a principle that I picked up from a guy named J.I. Packer or Dr. J.I. Packer at uh, Regent Seminary. He's a one of the world-renowned theologians. And um, I think he kind of got it bang on dead to rights when it comes to these sorts of things. And uh, that kind of leads to the second part of this whole entire revelation thing. There's the cerebral revelation for the Christians, but there's also the experiential. If you go to any cat or Protestant uh, Pentecostal church on a Sunday, you'll You'll see a lot of supernatural things in the form of speaking in tongues and healing and a bunch of other interesting activities that uh, make it experiential that the Christian God is in fact real to them. But before you throw your hands up in the air and say, this guy, this man here is a Christian, listen to him talking about the Christian faith. I'm only pointing this out because this is where the sad part comes in, where individuals such as myself, who was raised in a very... Christian environment encounter spiritual prophecy or elements, there seems to be no country for us at all. When I was younger, I was subject to certain um, 
four seeings and um, foresight. And I was afraid to bring it forward because if I did, then, wow, this man here, this man here must be very, 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 uh, must be possessed by devils. He must be possessed by the devil. And so I just dismissed it as coincidence or something that could have just happened out of the whim. So the balance is very, very hard. We are in a society that it's kind of hard to um, discuss your spiritual awakening, as it were. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about Christianity. And I'm going to smoke the clutches, had an ADD moment, and brought you back into my little personal world. Let's talk about what actually enlightenment is. Um, as it breaks down from my understanding. So enlightenment works in this way. It's that aha moment. It's that moment when you realize that there's something there out there beside yourself. It's when you realize that the objects around you aren't as they seem and the objects you touch aren't what they are. It can be as simple and easy as crying at a symphony or it could be something as profound as seeing a white light in the sky talking to you while you're asleep. Um, it's when we realize that our reality is an illusion. Uh, Albert Einstein, if I butcher this quote, please make sure to correct me. Send me an email at I don't give a shit. No, actually, if I do get this wrong and screwed up, please let me know. But uh, Albert Einstein said, uh, reality is illusion, albeit a uh, persistent one. So what does that mean? Does that mean that we are living a lie? Are we living a lie? No, not at all. What that means is that it doesn't matter really how you interpret it. There's a number of different ways, the, the Christian one being the fatalistic one, um, the Buddhist one being the karmatic one, um, there's uh, the, the Taoist one being the flow there's so many ways we can really interpret it, but it's very important to outline that um, we are co-authors with our fate. Um, I'm pretty sure as this wonderful podcast goes on, there's going to be times when I'm going to discuss things about, um, Canadian, about, um, about predestiny versus uh, free will. But we're not going to get there in this one. What we're going to talk about instead is in is the enlightenment stage as it comes with sinks so if we are and that's not like a dripping sink so if we are in a period where we all of a sudden start noticing specific things in our lives working in a fatalistic path and it forces us to open our eyes those are those sinks and there's a number of them and i will try and get through them all on this and uh, discuss how they apply to revelation and what our responses are so right out of the uh, chamber, we have the uh, precursor sink. And the precursor sink is kind of like that. It's kind of like lightning as a precursor to thunder. All of a sudden, something happens and you're like, oh, this is going to change something. Something's coming down the, the road. They always call it the still before the storm is another way I've heard it. Um, <clears throat> kind of like an omen. Um, and it kind of happens just before a huge... Uh, change in your life occurs so it's kind of like the for me uh, one of the ones was when i was younger I, I was able to predict some major world events um just based on kind of the way my psyche switched um which was mind-numbing for a very young age um and so what happens is when you detect something is going to change down the road 
uh, you will actually pick up on the synchronicity of that event and it will give you that little wee omen. Um, this also can happen when your life is in flux. There's this thing called liminal spaces. Um, and when your life is in flux, you will see certain things change all about you because your reality is subjugated to the deterministic path of yours. Um, so it's just, this is one of those things where you're noticing the signs um, as they go. And if you notice this from a perspective of um, revelation or uh, enlightenment, you're going to say, okay, this is going to happen. Bang, it happens. And if you recognize that, you're going to have that conscious state that there's something else going on here. And if it happens continuously, then it's going to affect the way that you outlook on world, on the world, I should say. Um, so a prime example of this would be if uh, an individual is thinking to themselves, hey, maybe I should uh, talk to somebody in regards to my... Um, addiction to whatever and then all of a sudden as they're walking down the street someone walks over and says hey look um the god google glue told me to tell you to stop using the needle well that's a very profound enlightenment moment um the best example of this would be uh, the buddha himself he walked down the road and saw a series of people in different stages of life and that tricked in his mind, tri triggered in his mind the understanding of the meaninglessness. And it started that question down to that quest of actual Buddhist enlightenment, not uh, the spiritual form of enlightenment. And so that's, uh, that's precursor synchronization. Now, the next form of revelation that occurs is in the form of uh, expansion synchronization. And this is the one that I <clears throat> kind of recently... Um, experienced a fair bit had a, a life-changing event that just kind of knocked me into this um, expansion synchronization occurs generally after you've encountered a deviation synchronization your life path has changed to uh, it's more probabilistic path because your deviation synchronization occurs when you're off your devi uh, off your probabilistic path and it kind of knocks you back on that and the expansion synchronization um, usually utilizes dreamscape and uh, symbology um so i mean if you um, look up the akashic plane or if you look up you know um, a space in which uh, you can kind of go into dreamscape and you find yourself surrounded by symbology that makes 100 percent sense to you but it knocks your consciousness and understanding outward into a multiple directions then that's kind of your expansion synchronization and it's very important for revelation because it helps you kind of craft the path in which you are going. The old, uh, well, I think it was Descartes, correct me if I'm wrong, because this one I don't know. Um, and it's the whole like know yourself ideology where you must understand who you are and seek yourself out. And that's kind of how we kind of tap in with ourselves and kick out into that. And when that occurs, it gives us more revelation in regards to our path. So the next uh, synchronization is the um, message synchronization. And it's one of my favorites, but one of my least favorites, because this one is generally the omens synchronization. And it's, you will get a sign and a symbol. And if you see that sign and symbol, then you will understand what's going on. This one actually, surprisingly enough, also occurs with people who I uh, who have discussed with who work in mediums. Um, they'll be doing a mediumship um, on a spirit that may or may not be present. And then all of a sudden they'll talk about, um, or they'll smell chocolate. 
and that chocolate will actually be kind of a synchronicity to link the individual with that memory, which will link them to that specific moment. Um, for me, the reason why I don't like the omen one is because generally ravens, it's generally with ravens. Ravens are my spirit guide, I guess, or spirit totem. And really, ravens ever always show up when there's some sort of a change that's going to occur. So I have a, well, my, my ex and also my best friend now, um, <clears throat> went through a horrific uh, ordeal with her, with her dad passing away. And at the end of it, we decided to go to the mountains to escape the whole insanity. And when we got there, this beautiful raven was sitting up there and he was just chit-chatting away with me. So I had a good conversation with him and it was a good time, but it was kind of a post omen of uh, this is this is okay. Everything is good. That's a good omen that I got. Good message omen. The other one was I was out on the week in the weekend uh, a while ago, and a uh, a raven came out and landed on my vehicle and gave me a very sad look. And I tried to talk to him, and he was not going to say a word. He flew away. And the next day, my fiance at that point i uh, decided that's it you and i are done we're over goodbye jack hit the friggin road so it's one of those things where if you can pick up on the message and decipher it it'll work good for you <clears throat> but it's also a form of revelation to show you that there's something out there in the universe and it's deeply linked to your spiritual uh, development and growth um, I think I'm going to take this moment to actually point out something else that's very interesting in the world that I'm in. I do uh, divination, I do tarot divination um, as a major form of uh, of what I do. I met online at Bucky's Tarot on uh, Facebook. Um, but synchronization is kind of one of those things that I play around in a lot, especially when it comes to the next one, which is manifestation sync. Um, but the same time it's also reading out the probabilistic paths for the individuals so but that is the form of revelation as it is with the message sync speaking of manifestation sync the manifestation sync is kind of the um, precognitive occurrence or deja vu that occurs um so kind of like when you walk into a room and you're like i've been here before i recognize the situation something is going to happen in this form and it does happen in that form and you're like, wow, that was a weird deja vu. Well, that's actually just kind of a, um, your brain is running the tracks of the, of the universe, right? And so now all of a sudden you've recognized that. Um, how that applies to enlightenment is very, very simplistic. Sometimes we are so stupid as humans that we need to get a good kick in the head to wake up and realize, oh my, look at this. So there's actually something out there a little bit more, uh, more bigger than me. And so when we get this deja vu, in my, in my case, it was um, sitting across from my first psychic divinator who stared at me and kicked my third eye open and made me feel lost but found it all at the same time. It, uh, it put me in a position where it was undeniable and irrefutable. Um, my whole entire understanding was manifest right in front of me and there's no way I could have changed it. And it's the most powerful one. And this one actually uh, kind of relates immediately to the, to a major religious, uh, spiritual experiences and even shamanistic experiences where you go through that manifestation stage, you go through that rite of passage, if it were, and now here you are and you're standing 
right in front of your spirituality and you are facing it head to head and there is no way that you can say no to it. And uh, yeah, that's, that's manifestation saying for you. And the last synchronization of them all is the opportunity synchronization. And this one is the one that actually makes me a little sad because as much as I try, as much as I dig, I can never get the opportunity sync. I know some people who do and their life just kind of floats for them. They go with the flow. They just let it fly. These are the kind of people who will be a plumber today and then tomorrow oh, there's an opportunity for me to be a stockbroker. I'm going to be a stockbroker. They do that for six months, and then it's like another opportunity. I'm going to be an investment banker. And then another opportunity. And so they just kind of coast with wherever the winds of fate take them. Am I a little bit too obstinate for that? I kind of have this stupid idea that I'm going to be in charge of my own fate. And what happens is, bang, I'm smoked in the face by the reality that I'm not in control of my fate, and I should have been listening to the opportunity sinks, but I'm not, so I'm going on a non-probabilistic path, which knocks me back onto the probabilistic path. As we discussed earlier um, in this lovely conversation with the uh, deviation sink. So I like this one, but I don't. And this one here is kind of like that old saying that whenever God shuts a door, he sure opens a window. It's the way of saying that there's always there's always something positive to come from wherever we are. So I've just gone through the different times of synchronizations, and let's discuss how that all applies to enlightenment in one collective swoop, and how that all applies to this whole conversation. See if I can whip, the, whip this all together and put it together in a tight little bow so that I don't sound like a rambling madman on a street corner wearing sock cloth and asking for five cents in his cup so he can get himself a cup of Tim Horton's coffee. Yes, I know that was very specific, but that's uh, still relevant. Anyway, so <clears throat> we are wandering through our lives and we are doing our mundane day-to-day -day things. We're waking up, we're going to school, we're coming back home, we're eating our dinner, we're going to bed, doing homework. We grow up and then we graduate. And when we graduate, we go to college and we get an education. And after the education, then we graduate and we carry on, so forth, so forth. We have an archetypical life path from squirted out into the world to chucked in the fireplace and poofed into smoke. We have a probabilistic life path. Now, if we're one of those enlightened ones, air quotes, we wander along this path and our higher cognitive ability finds ourselves pulling ourselves off of our probabilistic path. <clears throat> now, what that might be is, um, if you do believe in a deity, the deity may be calling and pulling you over. So Christianity, for example, you go to a Pentecostal worship service where an individual is yibbity yabbing in, in tongues and you can understand him. How does that happen? I have no clue. And he's telling me things about my childhood that no one should know about. Boom. Now you've encountered a manifestation, manifestation synchronization that's leading you to an enlightenment. And you have no choice in going down that path. Now let's just say that you, in your wonderful journey, decide to not listen to the signs and go on a side path. And all of a sudden, your higher self or your cognitive mind says, this is not where I should be. All of a sudden, a deviation sink comes and hits you in the head. And that comes in the form of a, um, a divinator, somebody who chucks tarot cards like me. All of a sudden, you're like, oh my, there's some things here that 
aren't quite adding up properly. I came to this child's birthday party with the whole intention of unwrapping presents. And now I'm in front of this dude who's telling me maybe I shouldn't be where I am. Maybe I should analyze what's going on a little bit more in depth and in detail. And perhaps I should stop drinking. Now I'm faced with this hard reality that this total stranger just opened me up like a can of worms and kind of spilled me out on the earth for the birds to peck at it. So now I should probably consider to myself, there's something bigger than me out there. All these things work in different ways that show a, a level of kind of transcendence or enlightenment. And it's up to the individual to see what we do with that. If you decide to embrace a religion, uh, embrace a spiritual path, or simplistically dismiss it and keep wandering on our merry lives. But this enlightenment does exist. And that's kind of the launching spot. That's when you have that aha moment. That's when you get kicked in the teeth and you can't walk on your own pathway anymore. And that's kind of where I'm going to leave you today. That was a very, 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 very long explanation, but it was a very, 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 very apt one. So until then, you guys have a wonderful time. If you have any questions or if you want to talk about a topic or anything like that, just give me a lookup. Um, I'm at and then capital tarot, capital by, capital Bucky on Facebook. You can see my my good old uh, group there it has the same logo as this um, as this good old broadcast. And then we will uh, we'll check with you, with you the next time. That concludes our very fun and exciting week. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you don't enjoy it, please let me know. And if you do enjoy it, please let me know. Look me up on Facebook. You can uh, take a peek at me at Tarot by Bucky. And it has that beautiful wolf and raven. And now you know the secret of the raven uh, emblem for you to uh, for you to see. And send me a message. Let me know what your thoughts are. I'm all ears.